Why is the bodily incarnation of Jesus a crucial doctrine? And how can we engage with non-believers without being influenced by bad doctrine? Let's talk about that today on the Midweek Movie. Hello, welcome to the Midweek Move, podcast extension of The Healing Places, the podcast we present the scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and ask ourselves, what is happening here? And today, ladies and gentlemen, I'm joined again by my good friend, Caleb Marino. How you doing, bud? Doing all right. How are you? Glad to have you here. Um, as you can see, Caleb and I did not change clothes today. And uh, <laughs> that was something that somebody pointed out. They're like, you guys are wearing the same clothes. Like, we filmed two at one day. Hot, the ma- the magic is gone. We That's don't film weekly. Uh, <laughs> we don't have those circus unclipped clothes yeah. things for the, you know, however they do that. I still don't know how they do that. It's but. amazing. I saw a behind the scenes of a, a, a kid's program, and they were doing Frozen, and the lady was singing the Let It Go song. Yeah, and she changed into the ice. Yeah, there's thing. a person hiding behind, and when she does a turn, there's a little clip that she does, and she pulls the rest of the dress down, what? so she's wearing the Frozen dress. That's crazy. Teamwork. We don't have that today. Nope. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But we do have the Bible, and uh, it is not changing. Yes. Um, And so we're going to be getting into our conversation. If you missed our first half of Second John, I want to encourage you guys to go check it out. Uh, We had a great conversation about love and obedience. And today's portion, we're getting into some essential doctrines that these heretics were denying, but also the warning that John's bringing. Remember, this is a... This is a letter to a specific community saying, look, you need to watch out. This is John giving some, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Some caution to a local community because mm-hmm. he sees things that are taking place as a leader should do. So let's jump into it. Uh, starting in verse 7, it says, uh, Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ are coming in the flesh, uh, have gone out into the world. And <clears throat> any such is the deceiver and the Antichrist. So, like I said, in our previous discussion, John heavily leaned on the need for Christians to walk in truth and love. He commands the faithful for, or he commends the faithful for doing just that and reminds them to uh, keep doing this. He then turns his attention to another group of individuals, which is these heretics uh, that are denying that Jesus came in the flesh. That's a, that's a key aspect of it. And uh, you and I talked about earlier about uh, this is a, you, you like this verse when we talk about people who are dealing with conversation about who's a false teacher or not. Yeah. This is a key aspect of the bodily incarnation of Jesus. But, Kevin, in your opinion, why is it the bodily incarnation of Jesus such an important doctrine of the faith? Um, well, one, the importance of Jesus coming as a human, you know, fully God, fully man, and dying on the cross is because, you know, in the Old Testament they needed the the perfect lamb, you know, spotless lamb and all that stuff to slay for their sacrifice. Right. And obviously, like, culturally, like, we're, God knew we are going to get out of that. You know, not everybody's going to have forums. Not everybody's going to have all these different things, access to those kinds of things. Right. And, um, but also, like, it was just a lot, you know, and it was a lot to to do um, for, like, the basis for salvation, I guess, or to, to fulfill that law. And so Jesus came as the spotless lamb, you know, and to fulfill that Old Testament law. Um, and I think that's why, you know, the embodiment of Jesus is is important because he was the perfect sacrifice for all of mankind, you know, should you choose to accept him. It's kind of like Mission Impossible thing. But <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that's 
kind of why it's important. Yeah, absolutely. It is a, again, when we look at the Old Testament law, there were strict requirements. And the and then on top of that, you have the Pharisees and the Jews that added 613 more requirements to be holy and be righteous. Yeah. And the sacrifices they made in the temple never forgave them of sins. Mm-hmm. It just pushed it back for another year mm-hmm. because none of them could be perfect. Right. They'd be like, all right, cool, we'll push it back. And then they would end up sinning again. They mm-hmm. couldn't do new stuff. You look at the Old Testament, I mean, it was it's story after story of the people of Israel repenting, coming to the Lord, making correction, doing well, and then falling off the deep end, repenting, right. coming to the Lord, falling off the deep end over and over again. Jesus put it into the cycle and said, look, this is the law of the Father. And we see in Romans that we see that he was the, the propitiation of sin, meaning he took on the wrath of God, the ultimate payment for the sin. So there'd just be an opportunity for grace for us. He is, in the Old Testament, you have the analogy of the uh, the lamb sacrifice and painting the uh, the blood over the doorways yep. for the people of Israel. It was a sign that you know this was a house covered by God. That's who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. But he had to physically live it out. Yep. He had to have all the temptations that we had. He had to have all the frustrations we've had. Yep. I guarantee you Jesus was as a carpenter working on some stuff and he's probably smacked his thumb and he went me, you know, something (laughs) 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 He didn't say that, but you know what I'm saying? Like he he had the frustrations. Mm -hmm. He had to deal with the temptations of things. There was a movie that came out years ago that is, um, it's not a movie that people really, uh, it's not a Christian film, but talked about basically Jesus less temptation, the temptation to come off the cross and uh, it did some terrible things with that whole conversation. But that is a point that Jesus is on the cross. Yeah. And up to the point that him on the cross, he had the opportunity to go, I'm done. Yep. I'm, I'm getting off this cross. I'm walking away. But he lived it out entirely. He sacrificed everything entirely so that we can give him ourselves entirely. And that's why it's so important. Because none of us can do that. And God's wrath had to be satisfied. Mm-hmm. Not that God's this wrathful, you know, rawr, mm-hmm. but he's a just God. Yeah. He's a God who has, there's rules and regulations or stuff in place. He has to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, all right, I will fulfill it. I will be the one who does this. And so without that, there's no salvation for us, yep. period. Um, the kind of the Gnostic teachings were a matter of, well, you could be a good person. Mm-hmm. That ain't it. And it did. And it was because it was all spiritual. It was all, yeah. you know, well, we're in the spirit, we're going to do this stuff. And uh, to the point that, like, later, advanced Gnosticism got to the point where they did some terrible things. Um, the Nicolaitans that are talked about in other books uh, just utter debauchery. Yeah. Again, a form of, of, um, of Gnosticism where it was all about, you know, fleshly pleasure and desires, and the spirit was the spirit. Mm. We're one thing. Cool. All right, so uh, let's continue on. Verses 8 and 9. Can you read that for us? All right. It says, Look to yourselves that we do not lose these things we've worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Good. So John warns the reader to be watchful not to allow these false teachers to cause them to stumble. He makes it clear the denying the clear teaching of Christ, mm-hmm. which we find in our Gospels, um, 
is a bad thing. Yep. <laughs> the, the denying mm-hmm. that is it's you're outside of God. Mm-hmm. They can be spiritual people, but they do not have God, which I think we see that a lot. We see people who are like, oh, well, you're spiritual. No, I, I'm Christian. Yep. Uh, Celeste and I had a really interesting experience recently. We were, um, were at GeekCon, and we had a, uh, we're talking with one of the <laughs> vendors, and they were asking us questions, stuff like that, and they were a self-proclaimed white witch. Oh yeah, and uh, can you say how to Aslan for me? <laughs> <laughs> so they looked at me, and we're having this conversation. We're explaining what we do, and they're like, well, I'm glad that you guys are, you know, you guys are just you're spiritual. But I was like, no, no, we're not just spiritual. Like we're we're Christians. Yeah, yeah. There's one way to heaven, and that's Jesus Christ. I don't have to be a jerk about it, yeah. but I'm gonna be very clear that this is who he that this is the only way, and that's what we do. But that conversation, people have this mindset today. Well, we could just be spiritual and. You know, all roads lead to God. That's literally denying the purpose of Jesus' bodily incarnation. Exactly. <laughs> so he's the only way, the way, the truth, and the life. Word. <clears throat> and so yeah. So again, but we have to do life with these individuals. Mm-hmm. You know, the um these these deceptive people were coming into the church. <clears throat> they were trying to influence them, but at the same time, we do have to deal life with these people who don't know the truth. Yeah. Um, otherwise you can't lead them to the truth. Um, so, but having constructive discourse with them about the faith, that's one thing. But another thing is being influenced by them in that. So let me ask this, how do you maintain a balance and not being influenced by false teachings when you yourself are ministering to people who, man, they're, they're spiritual, but they don't necessarily believe in the truth of Christ? Yeah, I would say, well, obviously whenever it comes to to false teachings, first, you know, you want to rely on the Holy Spirit. So like, God, God, is this true? You know, and then right. if you have a check in your spirit, you're like, I don't know. You know, then <laughs> go to the Word, go to the Bible, and word. see what it says. And because ultimately, like, if it doesn't line up with the Word, then it's it's not true. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not it's not of God. And so um, now there are some things that you might have to dig for. You're like, oh, it doesn't say that. You know, um, it doesn't say this thing that I'm going through, but it says something about you know, how you should equip yourself uh, through the Spirit so that God can lead you to know how to handle that situation. Right. You know, and so um, I think just being able to go to the Word, like, you know, know know your beliefs, know what your, uh, what God says to you about situations, and then also lining up with the Word so that you, you know what is true and what is not. Right. So yeah, I hope that makes sense. It does. I mean, and you're right. It's it's basically going back to the word of God, seeing what it says, and and walking that out. Mm-hmm. And so often we get caught up in intellectual discord with people. Yep. And we start quoting, you know, <laughs> theologians and philosophers and stuff, but we're like, Well, what does the Bible say? Yeah. Like what does God actually say about the situation? And I appreciate the fact that you said that sometimes it's not clear. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you gotta dig and you have to go, okay, let's use context clues. Right. Let's use practical application things that were taught in, in elementary school on how to apply life physics to, to things. Yep. Um, great example. I gave this um, a couple times in the past. Uh, years ago, um, I remember the day that I came to Revelation that um, having your, your girlfriend live with you was not a good idea. Now, I had understand that I'd only ever seen my father do that. My entire life, my dad had his girlfriends living with him. Yeah. And 
I just didn't, I didn't think about it. I was a young man. I was like, okay, cool. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll probably do that. The Bible also doesn't say don't necessarily drink liquor. In fact, it says drink wine. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I'll drink and I'll have my, my girlfriends live with me like my father did. And I remember the day I had the revelation of some stuff. I was reading through the scriptures. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Why is the girlfriend living with the dude? Well, they're sleeping in the same bed. They're probably sleeping together. Right. The Bible does say you don't sleep with people that's not your wife. Exactly. You don't fornicate. Mm-hmm. And it also says don't get drunk. And I know I have an addictive personality. Right. And I will, if I have a drink with me, I will down it. Yep. Like it's just, it's, it's habit. And that's, I, yeah, that's definitely an important aspect of like knowing what, because cause the enemy can have, he knows your weaknesses. Like he knows the things that you're going to struggle with um, more than others. Right. And, you know, so like whether it be like sexual temptation or like alcohol, drug abuse, like, you know, yeah. or the smallest thing like lying, mm-hmm. like you could, you, you want to keep yourself out of the situations that would cause you to fall into what is sin because it's like, you know, different situations. What, yeah. The, the girlfriend living in the same house as you might not be, you know, not, might not be sin. However, that opens the door for there to be something else that comes out of that that is sin. Exactly. And so just like with the drinking, you know, me, I'm I'm 21. I, I don't drink, but, like, I have friends that are like, oh, why don't you drink? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, well, because I know that if I do, I'm probably going to, you know, end up drunk or something right. like that because, <laughs> I, cause I, I don't, you know, the enemy knows how I would be tempted, you know, mm-hmm. because it's something that's, oh, I've never done this before. I don't know what that experience is like. And so, right. You know, or if it's something like I used to struggle with in the past, you know, then I'm not going to put myself in a situation to where exactly. the, the enemy can have a foothold in that situation, you know? Exactly. And that's the thing is you got to know yourself, but know what the word of God says. And sometimes you have to look at the word of God says, well, it says, don't get drunk. And it says, you know, don't fornicate. Well, if I put myself in the situation, those are probably going to happen. Yep. I'm going to actively not do it. I have friends that, um, like, great example, um, Celeste and I didn't kiss until we got married. Um, Celeste was my first kiss. And um, I remember having being people teasing me, like, that's stupid. Like, it's just kissing. I was yeah. like, but where does it lead to? Exactly, if you let it get out of hand. And so I was like, we're just not going to do it. Well, I don't want to put that up there. Right. And until uh, your dad said this to me uh, years ago uh, when he was my youth pastor, he goes, most of the time, the people you're dating in high school will not be your, won't be the person you marry. Mm. So you're making out with somebody else's wife. And that hit me like a, like a sucker punch, man. Yeah. Because I come from a situation where my stepfather had an affair, where he left my mom and we were left homeless. So my mind says, I never want to cause that pain on somebody else. Right. I'm not going to make out with somebody else's wife. I'm not going to be making that emotional attachment with somebody. So I made the conscious effort to not do that because I knew where things can lead. And I have people, man, that's stupid, man. It's just kissing. Well, but this is a boundary that I have to set for myself so I can walk with God appropriately. Right. And so when we're dealing with people and they have, it, and we're talking about some stuff that, you know, there's some black and whites and there's some not. Yeah. But the way we avoid false teachers and false teachings while we're doing life is we go, well, what does the word of God say? Exactly. And then how does it apply to my life in a real way? Just like what we're talking about here today. So um, that conversation went a different direction than I thought it was going to. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's good, though, because, like, you can, with that, there are going to be things in the in the Bible that people see a certain way, mm-hmm. and you see it differently. And it's like, well, this isn't like a, like you were saying earlier, non, or in the in the last one, or maybe it was this one, I can't remember, but it was, like, talking about issues that are not 
regarding salvation. Yeah, like, yeah. It's just kind of extra stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not extra. It's important because it's in the Bible. Right. However, it's like, if you disagree on this, it's not going to change whether somebody's going to go to heaven or hell. Exactly. And it's so like, but ultimately, like, God's the judge of that, so you don't, you can't judge that for yourself on like, oh, yeah, this is going to send somebody to hell. Right. If they, if they believe this about, um, you know, the gifts of the Spirit or, or you know, what, what kind of donkey Jesus was riding on. <laughs> you know, like, those, those things don't, right. they're not important. They're, they're good to talk about. You know, it helps build relationships and, and kind of get to know p- the way people operate, you know, sure. in their mind. But it's not like, it's nothing to lose friendships over. It's nothing to lose relationships over exactly. because, like, ultimately the end goal is to is to spread the, the kingdom of God, to right. advance God's kingdom. The There are things that are black and white, and I want to make sure that's perfectly <clears throat> understood by people. There are things that are sin, yep. and they are sinful, and if you are living a lifestyle within those things, you will go to hell, right. period. No discussion about it. But there are things that just don't matter. Mm-hmm. So let's not have a policy on our, our show that we do separately. We invite guests from different denominations to be part of it. But what tells like, look, there are certain factors that we just don't want to get into mm-hmm. because we've seen divisions that don't need to take place, and they're not salvific things. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you are Arminianist or, Cal- or Calvinist. You're both going to heaven. Plain and simple. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for us to argue and get stupid about it, especially since most of the time I've seen those arguments go where non-believers are going, well, I don't want to be here. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to believe either of those because that causes me to, you know, be in disunity with other believers. Exactly. You know, like- so it's fine for us to have a conversation about this, you know. But what is salvation-based we need to hold those things. Right. And that is something that Paul's dealing with, or John's dealing with. I mean, it's like there are people bringing stuff that is, you know, it's a denial of Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. And if you deny who Jesus is, period, that's an issue. Mm-hmm. You're denying the Godhood. There's a subsect of group that uh, believes that Jesus was just a man who was like the firstborn of God, but we're all born of God. Right. And so Jesus is just a good guy who did it better than all of us. That's denial of the divinity of Jesus. Right. Which that is a salvation issue. Exactly. And that's what's taking place here is they're denying a salvific aspect of who God is, right. who Jesus is. And so when we're dealing with people, we have to go back to the Bible and go, okay, what does the Bible actually say? And apply it appropriately. <laughs> yep. All right, let's keep going on. We're in uh, verses 10 and 11, I think. Uh, uh, yep. If anyone comes to you and does not... Uh, bring this teaching, teaching Christ. Do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. Now, we we talked about just a minute ago about dealing with people. We have to do live with people. We're not talking about you can't talk to people who don't believe the same thing as you. Right. This is talking about giving platform to people to go, hey, I want you to come in and speak on this situation to my community, to my congregation, yep. to teach on XYZ heresy. But beyond that, I would even go a step further and saying, allowing those individuals to have influence in your life, mm. spiritual influence. And so my question for you, Caleb, um, having constructed discourse about faith and everything, but how do you, um, I just lost that, uh, how do you handle a situation where perhaps Somebody comes in, presumably with good doctrine, presumably with good teachings, but they then kind of flip the script a little bit, and suddenly they're like, well, and they're presenting stuff that's her- 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 heresy, that's not the scriptures, that is a flat-out lie, or they're adding to the scriptures. How do you handle that situation where maybe you saw something that was good, but then they flip the script on you? And how do you vet people, period, as far as spiritual leadership? Um, 
Well, I haven't been in a whole lot of situations like that. Um, so I can't really speak into the that specific scenario. Mm-hmm. However, I do know that if I were in that kind of situation, I would know those things are wrong mm-hmm. and I wouldn't jump down their throat and be like, this is wrong, this is heresy, like you right. should know this because what if they were taught that, you know, that's and, good point. and they that's what they know. Right. Um and then you're like they you know sure they're very passionate about it and then and then you're like no this is wrong you need mm-hmm. to see it this way because this is what the word says and then like then they're like well this is what it says here and it's just like a big argument and a big you know a lot of miscommunication going on um and so there's always more to the situation right most times and so but with that um you need to i would approach that situation with a lot of grace like mm-hmm. we've been talking about and, you know, just have conversations. Be like, why do you think this way? What do you, what caused you to believe this, you know, about those things that are not of God? And also with that, um, like you were talking about, and, and it says here, you know, if anyone comes to you and does not bring his doc- bring this doctrine, talking about God's doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. You know, like the way I see it is don't let him into your into your inner circle, don't let them into it, don't give them a platform. Um, because if you do let them in, if that person into your inner circle, then chances are they're probably going to influence you more than you will them. That's good. Because that's real good. Right um, a lot of times, you know, it's so weird to think about though, because sometimes we'll be, we'll think we're so strong in our faith and then something else comes along and <laughs> kind of works its way into our life. And then we notice you know, or somebody else notices, like, "Hey, why are you doing this? You weren't right. doing this six months ago. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> like you didn't believe this." <laughs> and so you just got to really be careful about those kinds of things because ultimately, with your inner circle, those people you'll you'll listen to what they have to say and adhere to it a lot more than the people you know without question too. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, than the people you will like your coworkers that you see one you know every now and then or mm-hmm. or every day that you don't really talk to. Just you know, it's it's a lot easier to be caught off guard um by those false teachings um if you they're part of your inner circle yeah and that's that's the whole adding to your inner circle that's a that's a key point because you're allowing them in your life you give them people access to speak into you and there is a level of of closeness you just kind of ignore certain things you're like well we're we're, we're friends we're close i mean but at the same time there's a level of ignoring part of the situation here is uh the reason why this is able to take place is because john's go i'm an authority you recognize me as authority. Yep. Hey, listen to me when I tell you there's something going on. What I've seen taking place in people's lives where they've gone off the deep end is they have found themselves in situations where they've had an inner circle. It starts to go sideways, but it's an inner circle that goes, well, we don't necessarily need leadership. We know what's going on. We don't need uh, somebody to come in and go, hey, this is not right. Yep. And things kind of devolve from there. And um, I was just watching a interview with an individual um, just yesterday, actually, and that that he's a very, uh, I believe the word is progressive Christian leader mm-hmm. and teaching some stuff that's just not right. And But he started off as a very fundamental, very evangelical individual that, you know, you and I would have seen often. Yep. <laughs> and um, he shares his testament how he got involved with this whole kind of house church thing, and it was just him and his friends, no oversight, no leadership, and they kind of started reading different books. And they got into stuff and like, man, we're going to get to the real Jesus. And he led led to a road of this progressive Christianity, which, you know, has a lot of things that are just simply anti-biblical. 
there, or they, they sound biblical, but there's a lot of SJW stuff added to it that's just not right, and they pervert it with words of Jesus. And they allow that to grow, and now he himself is a leader without a leader. <laughs> yep. And he sought out people who would affirm what he wanted to believe rather than what the Word of God actually says. Right. And so there is an aspect of we need to vet people according to the Word of God. Now, what, is, what does the Bible actually say? And when we start to see things that take place, we need to shut down. There was a, uh, a leader that I used to follow a lot. I appreciated their teaching. They gave some great stuff, and but they started going kind of sideways and some stuff, and I was like, no, I can't, yep. I can't roll with you on that. This is stuff that I just fundamentally disagree with that I don't see in the scriptures. They're a nice person. I don't think they're necessarily in, in error to the point of loss of salvation, but there's some teachings that they've done. I'm like, man, that's your focus is gone, and yeah. I just can't have that in my life. And we have to be mature enough to go, okay, we're going to pause this here. Or in this case where they're denying stuff, it's like, we're done, absolutely done. I had some friends that were um, – when I first became a Christian, um, <laughs> this is bad. When I first became a Christian, I, there was a group of individuals who I made friends with very closely, and they taught me some stuff about Jesus and the Word of God. And I was like, "Okay, cool." I visited the church. I was like, "Man, this might be this might be the thing for me." And this sounds bad. It sounds haughty. But then I read my Bible, and I was like, "Right, oh, this is what are they doing? Mm-hmm. This is wrong." And I had to cut off ties on certain things because. Yeah. I was being led astray. They were well-meaning. They thought they were doing the right thing, but exactly. there's a flat denial of, of <clears throat> biblical truths. It, it hurt. It sucked. In this community, the heretics aren't just like some random ominous group. Some of these are brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. These are people that were in this house church. There were people that they knew that they were like, man, we were, we were close, and now you're in error. And Paul's going, you're going to have to cut them off. I'm sorry. Yep. Because... They're part of the inner circle mm-hmm. that will lead you away. So, all right, well, let's wrap this up. Uh, why don't you read the last two verses for us, Caleb? Uh, it says, Having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. Amen. So John ends this letter by telling his community that he has much more to talk about, but he wants to do it face to face. He wants to be there in person. So why is that important? Like, again, this, this is the equivalent of him sending an email out to somebody in modern day. Right. But going, hey, I got a lot more to say. I don't want to send this email. I want to talk to you face-to-face. Why do you think that's important, even in that time frame? I mean, he could just lay it all right there. Yeah. I mean, papyrus isn't that expensive back then. So what's the, what's the point right. of seeing somebody face-to-face to bring instruction? I think it's because of this right here. We can ask questions. We can get answers. And then, like, if we're confused about something, like, what did you mean by this? Right. You know, and I'm sure there were a lot of people that were reading the letter and had questions like, why? You know, Mm -hmm. like, there's a lot more he wants to say, but, you know, I can't ask him that just yet. And so, like, I got to kind of, you know, figure it out for myself or kind of, you know, keep living the way I was just because I don't know what to do. And so I think having a, a face-to-face conversation about these kinds of things um, is just a lot better. You know, things can be miscommunicated a lot on social media, right. on uh, over a video even. Even though you can watch the person, yeah, you still, you know, there are things that they said and how they said them that you might think, you know, you might interpret wrong or you, you miss the context of it. 
uh, because you like zoned out or something like that for a few <laughs> seconds. That does happen. Yeah, and you're like, you're like, oh, how do we get here? You know, and rewind for a second. You know, but um, I think that's probably one of the most important aspects of it is the conversational. You know, this is you know, me give it to you, and then you're like, okay, why? And yeah. then you can challenge. And I don't think Paul. It was in a position to where Paul needed to hear from other people and like, oh yeah. Maybe I should rethink this that I told you. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe he did. I don't know, but I believed in you know not in these scriptures, uh, or no Peter. Peter here. Sorry, not Paul. But um, Paul, John, Paul, John. <laughs> I'm all over the place. All of them. You know what I mean. So, um, in these instances, you know, this is. I believe God speaking through them to the people. Yeah. And so, but with conversations, we can say things and then we're like, maybe I said that wrong and somebody points it out. Mm-hmm. You know, it just gives the opportunity to to clarify things that might not have been clear. Yeah. I think you're you're hitting on the head is you know, there is this face to face that takes place that I mean, you just can't get distance. Yeah. Um there's something to be said about tone of voice, mm-hmm. uh facial expressions. If I'm talking to you and you're just like you know, yeah. it's like, okay, I've lost you, Caleb. All right, let's, let's, let's come back to center. Um, but then there's also, like you said, the conversation back and forth, going deeper. How does this work out? How does it not work out? But also there's the whole aspect of like, okay, I've said this. What are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. There's a person, I love them to death. They, <coughs> they're always like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. I heard, they're talking about all these preachers that they've heard and all these great sermons they've heard. I was like, cool. What are you doing with it? And they look right. at me like, what do you mean? You've heard this great word. What are you going to do? And that's hard to do in a letter. Because mm-hmm. it's easy to go, I just dismissed that. The, you know, it's a nice letter you wrote. Yeah. But when I'm face-to-face with somebody going, hey, what are you going to do about this? There's accountability there. Exactly. Yep. We can go, you have to tell me, you have to look me in the eye and go, I'm not going to do anything. Or there's, I'm going to do this. And yeah. I go, okay, cool. I'm going to help you walk that out. Right. And so we need that. We need that face-to-face space. We need people in our lives to go, how can I help you? Let me help you understand stuff. So good stuff. All right, so I'm going to ask Caleb here in a second about his big takeaway from today's uh, conversation. But I want to hear from you guys. What's your big takeaway? How has this encouraged you? How has it challenged you? you? Reach out to us. You can email us, mediahub at thbstreetport.com. You check out the Facebook page, Midweek Move. Uh, Caleb? Your big takeaway from John chapter two, our second John chapter one. <laughs> We're, all We're everywhere, up. man. <laughs> hey, the you know, um, I I don't know. Probably my biggest takeaway for for the last half was really just you know knowing to look, knowing that like this might not have everything explicitly written out the way you need it, mm-hmm. but the Holy Spirit will guide you. Word. In in the situations in the situations that you're in, you know, so you don't have to be like, oh, I, <clears throat> my manager uh, at work said <laughs> this to me. Um, I, what do I say back? You know, because one, you're not gonna have you know time for that. But like, but also, you know, out of those situations, maybe it's this. My manager is not you know being nice to me or something like that, or or they're saying these bad things to me or about me, you know, at work. And then you go to the word. And it's not going to say, say this back to your manager. Right. <laughs> it's going to say, like, oh, seek, seek God's wisdom, seek the words that, you know, just a lot of things to be gotten from, from right. the word for those situations. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. That is a key aspect is just 
the more we do this, the more we're in the Word, the more it just flows out of us naturally. So good stuff. All right, guys. Well, we want to hear from you. So until next time, have a great week.